The most real core marketing is just lots and lots of experimentation. Yep. Assuming you know nothing about the consumer, you don't know what's going to work. So let's try a lot of different ideas. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. With me on the show is Mark Douglas with Mountain. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's a creative. He's done lots of interesting things. And we're going to talk about Mountain and, and how that technology now is using the power of AI and simplicity to make it easy to buy ads specifically on smart TVs and smart channels like Hulu and others. So it's an honor to have him on the show. Mark, how you doing, brother? Good. Thanks for inviting me. I'm pretty happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. So it's uh, your your company is very interesting. And before we dive down the rabbit hole of talking about what you do in your company, which we certainly want to do that, I always like to have a conversation with with founders and really learn about their journey, learn about their struggles, uh, and just learn about their learnings, essentially. Uh, yeah. So I see you you used to work, if I saw, for eHarmony. Is that right? Was that one of your... Yeah, I was, kinda... at, I was head of engineering at eHarmony during their heyday, pre-Tinder, pre-Bumble. And it was like Match.com and eHarmony and essentially inventing online dating. Yeah, we're going to age ourselves here. I remember eHarmony, so. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I mean, people did not embrace it. It was like, like, they felt like dating failures if they had to go on an online dating site at the time. Um, But eHarmony- What did you learn from that? I'm curious. That's That's a great, really entry point, right? It's because the concept obviously was the right concept. It's it still is around. It's probably booming in some ways. What lesson did that experience of eHarmony like? How did that help inform your experience now of leading a tech company versus being an executive at eHarmony? You know, it it it, it the biggest lesson I learned was the how subtle changes in your focus and and your message can really resonate because eHarmony initially like wasn't doing that well. Like people just were not, the, eHarmony was all about long-term relationships and matching you with, with that perfect someone. And it just wasn't really resonating in the context of the word dating. And the company actually got pretty close to running out of money and shutting down. Mm. And then very close to the end, like, okay, the, the company's out of money. Um, the founder, Neil Clark Warren, he went on a, a radio show, kind of like a podcast. And instead of talking about dating, he talked about marriage. And the same, you know, he harmed us the same thing, but he's like, he was like, you know, it's just all about creating like successful marriages lead to generations of, of healthy people. And that, like, literally, the, like, the next day, the site went from 50 sign, you know, people signing up a day to, to thousands. And, wow. Like, the product did not change. And just, just, you know, what the company was about, explaining it, ironically, in a more, more pure sense, because that was, he was a clinical psychologist and marriage counselor. And so he just wanted to you know, use the internet to help create successful relationships. And that, that it, it just exploded from there. And like mm. how many 
like in you don't have to be a company that's like close to running out of money just you launch the product and it's like relatively subtle changes can have a very very big in, impact on the ultimate outcome and that that was the single biggest lesson i learned and, and throughout my time there we had more things like that in the product and other things where it was just like small navigational changes it can, it can apply to your life can wind up having very very big changes in the outcome so that small, that was the biggest learning from that small changes make big differences right. and uh that, that's a it's a great point i would and it sounds like it almost happened by accident but now that you're yeah, able to kind of reverse engineer what lessons would you have for how for a founder like myself like others that may be listening to this about how yeah, I mean, to figure out where where are those right small differences of it could be messaging or other points to focus on so you don't have to almost run out of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because on the one hand, there's that cliche, listen to your customers, but customers don't take you to the future, right? They don't. There's this kind of an adage, like if you ask if, if back in the days, so like VHS tapes and Betamax and all that. If you ask the right. customer what improvements they wanted, they would say faster rewind. They wouldn't go a DVD player. So there's no tape. exactly exactly <laughs> like they just won't tell you that, right? And so you have to like kind of come up with the innovation yourself. But then that product market fit that like what is like why are people going to want this? Why are they going? What's going to resonate with them? You, you really do have to like assume, you know, not like like go into and be like, I'm going to assume I don't know anything about that and just listen to the customer, but mm. do it quickly. Like that fail fast mentality, like just right. like 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 no one really there's no like single path to success and no one really like nails everything the first time along the way. So it's like fail fast you know, be totally on board for change, but still somehow stick to the core vision. That's kind of the key. And it's almost like a, a quality in you as an individual. As it, 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 In some ways you can learn it when you see people do it, but in some ways you, you just have to like have the right the right qualities to be like, nope, that's not working. We're going to try yeah. this. <laughs> like, like, um, and um I've had that experience, a company I did called Homey, which was in the apartment rental space. We launched in like the, the biggest apartment rental market in the country, which was Houston, Texas. But it turned out like individual landlords were the best fit for us. Mm. And so everything we did to launch the product wound up being like, nope, that was the wrong path. We got switched over here. Yeah. I mean, YouTube started off as a dating website. People, a lot of people don't know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is encouraging for me as being, if you don't know, I'm a, a, I am have podcasting, but I'm also the founder of Disrupt Art. We're an NFT marketplace focused on fashion, film, and music. Uh, and it's, uh, and I'm learning about those subtleties you talk about that make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you said earlier, it's not like you can't say, let's see what people want. Cause as Henry Ford said, had I asked what people wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. So it's, you got to have, but I love the part of saying, okay, yes, what customers are currently doing can't be how you only focus on things, but right. the customer experience does have to be a big focus of what you currently have. I think that's yeah. very well stated. And yeah. so, all right, so you got there, you were at eHarmony, you've pivoted around, you've learned. And now, of course, you're, you're, you're launching, you've launched this current business, Mountain. 
that yeah. is very, very fascinating. You know, so first of all, I, I understand that you've actually acquired Ryan Reynolds company, maximum effort. Yeah. But I want to talk about that a little bit, but what does, I let me ask this question. While you don't focus on the customer, you do focus on the problem you're solving with yeah. mountain. What problem do you feel like mountain is solving for the current environment? Well, it's in some way, well, the problem we're solving is to basically in some ways just democratize the television advertising market. Okay. So, so if you if you back up just a little and you look at television viewing, Netflix and to some extent Hulu also, they just completely led the way in changing that relationship between the consumer and the content and making it on demand. Netflix, you see all the shows going further and you can see an entire season of shows, you know, on the same day if you want to binge watch it. Netflix essentially invented binge watching. Yes, they did. Yeah. And and so that relate and consumers responded and then the industry followed. Right. The, uh, now it seems normal that every TV network has essentially all of the content available on demand. But three years ago, even that wasn't the case. I mean, it was yeah. still like like that. That wasn't the way it was. So then we looked at it and said, OK, the whole television viewing experience has been transformed. But now I still got to do an upfront. I still have to, you know, all the advertising that essentially funds most of this content is still stuck in a 50, maybe even 70 year old business model. So we said everything that people consider normal about television advertising, high cost of creative you know, basically um, long lead times on on planning, the the high minimums upfronts, all of that is really not that normal. No one would go in it as a customer and say, yeah, that's what I want. I want, right. you know, like, and so we're like, well, let's just reinvent all that too. Let and and the and we did, but then what you know what the interesting thing, this is another entrepreneurial lesson, is when you re when you attempt to reinvent an existing market, the people currently operating in a market are usually the slowest to embrace that those oh changes. yes and yes. Right, right. And so we said so our goal was well, let's bring a whole new set of customers into the television advertising market, mid-sized companies or large companies that are more like the direct response advertisers that Google and, and Meta thrive on. And let's bring television to them. They haven't been, you know, your average e-commerce site um, just never advertised on TV. As a matter of fact, just tech companies, if you look at any tech company in general, you don't see a ton of tech television no, advertising. No, because right? they're going to advertise on Google, Facebook, targeted ads. using. Right. They want data. They want uh, absolutely you know, they want targeted advertising. They want lots of data to inform the amount of money they're spending. And so we set out... So we said, look, we can reinvent all this. We can modernize it, but let's, we're going to have to find a new customer. And it wasn't as thought out as it is now. <laughs> and, yeah, I explained now, like, oh, I had this all mapped out. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it. It did go pretty well. I will say that. It wasn't a lot of changes, but, you know, you kind of, kind of stumble along a bit. Right. And we, and we went to those customers and they were fully on board. The idea is like, oh, wait, I'm doing a ton on paid search. I spent a ton on paid social. Now, potentially, I can use television and have 
you know, audience first targeting, you know, basically tr- like digital targeting, but now on television, it resonated really well. And that, that's, that became performance television. And so we essentially created the market for performance TV. I said something to my team, this is another entrepreneurial lesson. The easiest way to win a market is to create that market. Oh, that's like, a mic like, drop. The right. easiest way to create a market. Uh, to, yeah, to, to win a market is to create that market. I mean, it's also a classic The easiest strategy. way to win a market is, is to create to that create market. It. That's what Elon Musk did with Boom. electric cars. He essentially created the market for electric cars. And then, like, you're, you're inherently the market leader. Like, you, you, you're now dominating the market you created. And that's what we did with performance. If, if I could ask a question about that, because it, it's, sure. uh, it, it's, yes, that's great. How yeah. does one go about doing that? So I'm looking at it from this point of view. It's like, all right, yes, you're absolutely right. You, 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 the traditional people that are doing this are, are, are the slowest to change because they have, they have big boards. They have to do studies. They take two years to make a decision. And they wait for everyone else to go that way because they're large institutions with lots of runway and lots of time and lots of bureaucracy. They can do those things. It's and it was the right pivot that you sounds like you sounds like that you made was going to institutions that are more midsize, smaller, innovative, growing. Those who use uh, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, it sounds like, uh, you know, Google ads, things like that. But how do you convince that group still that? may be your target market that they need something that they don't know that they actually need yeah. either. How how, well, do, how does one go about doing that? You can speak from your practical experiences, just kind of give some general advice because I think it'd be very helpful. Yeah. So the nice thing for us is that that segment of market, what's called direct response marketing, are very data-driven. And so because they're so data-driven, they tend to be very open to new ideas and they're like, yeah, I'll try it, but we'll just look at the data and see, you know, see see what it looks like. So you still have to find the early adopters there, the ones that, um, but the, the, the it, it just, we just happen to be fortunate that we were going into market with the marketers or the, our customer, which are the marketers, were very open to trying new things. And so the existing kind of brand advertising market, they were not open to trying new things. But in the direct response market, they were very open to trying new things. They also felt very dependent on Google and, and at the time, Facebook, you know, call, I, I never know if I should call Meta or Facebook. It, oh, I'm yeah. I mean, no, I know they want to rebrand. No one knows it as Meta. I think they're hoping that people will forget that they were Facebook at one point. <laughs> so gonna, but, I, but we're seasoned but, enough but, where we remember, we remember them as Facebook. Facebook, yeah, and so they, so you had this, you had this set of customers that were very beholden to Google and Facebook at the same time, which made them very eager to find alternatives or you know additional avenues to reach to find new consumers, and at the same time they were super data driven, so there's very little emotion involved in the decision process. It was just like, yeah, I, I have a test budget, let's try it, let's see what the data shows. And now, you know, we, we're continuing to expand beyond what you can think of as that early group of customers. And that group is fairly large. So, yeah, we didn't struggle to find people. It was it was just all about giving a product. The biggest obstacle we had in our sales process when we launched that is just getting people to believe it. 
Like yeah. we literally have people on the phone going, wait, what? You can now, like, I don't have to call an agency. It was, to me, it was like E-Trade in the mid nineties. Like, like, um, like when the internet was just taking off. So like, what? I don't have to call a stockbroker if I want to yeah. like just democratizing investing essentially. And it was a very similar thing that. Yep. Uh, I'm a web three person. It's about democratizing the creative and people and a lot of creatives don't believe it. Like what? Like, huh? People yeah. are going to pay me to just to have access to digital images and digital ownership. Like, yeah, right. it is. Yeah. It, it's that Absolutely. Works. Yeah. yeah. So, so we we followed that path and it worked um, really well. The company has grown pretty nicely. No, that's that's great to hear. And I, I think I'd like to explore something with it. I'm curious to see how it works now because uh, as we look towards marketing, I'm interested uh, to figure that out. How do you help people determine their, do you actually help them? It sounds like you help determine their, their customers and everything else like that. How do you go about stepping through that process in terms of just basic over just high level if you're helping people i guess target the right customers and then using your technology to do that like what would be like a really high level basic walkthrough of that well so so one um our customers again tend to be marketers doing like okay so they know it already they know their customers they, they have knowledge um and it's bringing those kinds of tools where they they can figure out who their audience is so we're a software solution we're not their agency we 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 if they have an agency most of our customers don't but if they have an agency we'll partner with that agency but it's bringing those same kind of digital tools to television in this self-serve platform where they can be comfortable experimenting trying different audiences they want to reach trying different creative and having all this data available to measure how that's going that that's what we're doing for them then we partner uh, we have a customer success team that gives them a lot of advice and we'll partner with any agencies that they might be working with also but um it's it those kind of marketers are not everyone thinks of marketing they tend to think of like mad men where you know you come up yeah, with this yeah, incredible yeah. incredible idea but most real core marketing is just lots and lots of experimentation yep assuming you know nothing about the consumer you don't know what's going to work so let's try a lot of different ideas and again it's that fail fast mentality that didn't work let's try this oh Absolutely. that's working pretty well let's see if we can get it even better that's kind of the cycle that that most um, most marketers really spend their days doing. No, that, that, that's that's well stated. Yeah, I want to pivot a little bit to talk about Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I can't have an interview and not and talk about how your company, but as I understand it, Mountain actually bought Maximum Effort, which is a company of Ryan Reynolds. Like, and my understanding is Ryan Reynolds has a. It's like a it was a like creative almost like uh, they where they made creative content. And you bought them. Walk me through what that was like. That process in general. What, what's it like to work to work with? To yeah, Ryan. With Ryan? Yeah. He seems, is he is he as funny as he seems on TV? So he seems he funny. Is. So you spent. I was asked this question a few months ago. Literally that question. What's it like to work with Ryan? And I said, Well, the first month you try not to laugh at everything he says because then you just seem like a giggling schoolgirl, <laughs> a schoolboy, I guess. And the, um, so he is very, the, the Ryan you see on screen is Ryan. I mean, he's just a very genuine guy. He, um, he is qu- very quick-witted. 
You know, it's the it's a that's a superpower. I wish I was as quick witted as he is. Just whatever you say, he knows what to say next. He's also just a really nice person. How this came about is, I think, for Ryan creating Maximum Effort, that came out of De- Deadpool because the movie studio we made Deadpool, they gave him virtually no marketing budget, so he created his own agency to market the film. And to do it at very, very low cost. And obviously, I think Deadpool went on to make more than a billion dollars at the box office. So it it was, if I'm getting those numbers right. So, and then you know, he, he told me, you know, he said when we first met, we met last April, he said, you know, it took me eight years to make Deadpool, but I can make a commercial in a weekend and more right. people see it. <laughs> and more people wind up seeing it might go viral if you know like like yeah. and so he's like i'd rather do lots of those i've done he's you know he said we I've, he, when he says i is him more than 50 movies like i could create 50 commercials this year you know like and just make people laugh and entertain but at the same time connect them with products and services that that hopefully they would like so that's how it came about we met because we were think um someone recommended that we connect and luckily some people we both knew you know kind of connected us and i showed him what we were doing i gave him a product demo i said like we're reinventing television advertising and democratizing just making it so anyone can approach us and he immediately was like wow i want to be a part of this and um, and it literally only took a few days. I, I think it took two days to go from first, you know, high to let's team up. And wow. yeah, so legally, yeah, Mountain did acquire the the agency maximum effort but i mean obviously it's ryan reynolds it's a it's a partnership right and the he and he's a smart guy he's he works incredibly hard it's actually hard hard to keep up with how hard he works i mean it's uh, i think i thought i worked a lot of hours until i saw his work schedule insane so he's incredible work ethic very smart ready to do whatever it takes to win nothing is off limits um and and but at the same time i mean he's obviously one of the biggest um celebrities in the world so and and that does um offer a lot of advantages the biggest advantage is he never has to show his id I'm always like, it must be nice that your face is your ID when you walk in the, like we walk in a building in Manhattan. Yeah. It's like he doesn't have to show his ID. He just is like, they just say, we know who you are. You 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 can head upstairs. I'm, I'm like, what? Come on, that's not fair. Like they look at me suspiciously. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I'm curious uh, as you as since you're combining with a brilliant creative like Ryan Reynolds. And yeah. we have this new creative economy and it's what we focus on. We do a lot of Web3. Thoughts about the intersection between Web3, blockchain, which might maybe what's happening with data and entertainment there, and then what's happening with what you're doing with data in this and the direct uh, TV. Do you see, what do you see as the future there? Or have you thought about the intersection between kind of the next evolution of the internet and what, and what, and where you currently are now? Well, definitely in terms of things like metaverse and and those kinds of aspects and being very receptive to where that goes. And I think um, every new medium um, creates new forms of content and 
generally a lot of content is funded by advertising, by companies wanting to connect with that consumer. And it tends to reinvent the formats for that advertising also. Even avenues like what Netflix is doing right now to enter the television market, like I've said to them, like your ads don't have to be 30 second TV ads. Exactly. Like you, you have no legacy. They can be something entirely like Snapchat. They could be immersive ads. Right, right. Snapchat and and Instagram, they don't have the same ad formats. They're very, very no. different. And the fact so, that I'm wearing my UC brand in this is an advertisement, period. It doesn't right. you don't the advertisement itself doesn't have to be uh, blah blah blah. That when people actually we we culture is showing this with hip hop, right? Yeah. Things become famous. Someone says a line in a hip hop ad and show it has a has a beverage with them. All of a sudden that beverage sells everywhere because. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're making the yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, because that's a good point. I mean, ultimately, like the idea that consumers are marketed to that to me ended with the Internet. Like if you buy a product you don't like, you are lazy as a consumer because it's so easy to check reviews. It's so easy yep. See what the other people think. So it's not about marketing to you. It's just about like there's a lot of innovation in the world and a lot of emerging companies trying to, you know, connect with consumers or bigger companies trying to connect with consumers. It's just about like, here's what we have. And if this interests you, like reach out, go to our website, go to Absolutely. our Instagram. Go, go, yeah. And that's what marketing has really become. And going back to Ryan, I mean, a lot of the things he does from an average, the ads he's created, there's like this, this like sincerity, like I'm just, I'm, I'm just showing you what, like, he's just introducing you to something. He's not marketing to you. And that sincerity and that like transparency, I think resonates with consumers. Whenever he posts something, whether it's an ad he did for Mound or ads he's done with one of our customers, the comments always say, I don't understand why I enjoy Ryan Reynolds <laughs> like having me watch his ad so much. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because they're just, because he's not marketing to you. He's just being like, himself. He's just being himself. And and that's um, going back to why we acquired Maximum Effort and swing back to like Web3 and stuff like that. It was to so many of our customers were new to TV advertising and Maximum Effort like kind of shows that like you don't need a half a million dollars to get a TV ad. Like you can, you, you, it can be something that was cre literally created over a weekend because Maxim Effort has done that multiple times. So, and just giving a vehicle for emerging brands, larger brands to be able to do fast advertising on this new fast self-serve medium. Right. On the web three, I think there's definitely going to be, um, um, it's hard to predict the future, but I, you know, one thing that's easy to predict wherever consumers go, brands, companies will follow. Yep. The consumers are more in control than they realize that brands are following your, they're following your journey. You're not following their journey. That the, yeah. in the, 30, 40 years ago, maybe you were following their journey because you were getting marketed to, but now and you had no choice. Marketed. You didn't have you choice. No choice right? It was like, four channels on exactly. TV. Yeah. Yeah, but now they're just following you wherever you go. And and 
you know, and and take advantage of it. Like, I I think consumers right now, I'm, I know we're jumping around topics. No, they're making themselves way too hard to find. Well, I, that, I, that was my next question, though. Does yeah. we have more information than we've ever had, and some would argue maybe we're less informed than we've been. Yeah, and there's this kind of opposite side of what you of what we just said. Certainly, it's better to have more choice. Also, the research says when people have too much choice, they don't know what choice to make. (laughs) Right. So how do you think how do we operate that? Then I've got a couple of rapid fire questions I want to get to you. Yeah. Well, in terms of the one part of that, when you have too many choices since the pandemic, I kind of live everywhere because I can't decide where I want to live because we no longer go into the office. (laughs) I'm actually in Newport, Rhode Island right now, of all places. Okay. enjoying Newport in the summer. No chance I was going to be here if, you know, two years ago, because I'm like, I can't decide where to go. So I'm going to go someplace I've never been. But the the consumer is going back to um, the consumer journey. And, and, and I think for consumers, what they don't realize is one of the dominant costs of every product you buy is, is the cost to find you as a consumer. This is why once you buy from a company, they're like 25% off emails because they no longer have to pay the market. They don't have to, they don't have to pay all this cost to connect with you anymore. So you as a consumer, if you I make yourself easy to find, you will literally save money. Like I'll give a really mm. concrete example. If you pay $800, let's say you go online. That and is buy fascinating it. thought. Yeah. They, if you go online to buy a mattress, and let's say a mattress costs you know, $800 or $600, at least 40% of the cost of that mattress was finding out that you were moving. Mm. <laughs> if you just literally said, hey, I'm moving, made yourself easier to identify, um, those companies would gladly give you 25% off. But they, you know, once they spent expended all these dollars yeah. to, 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 to connect with you, like, that money is sunk costs and you have to, unfortunately, we as consumers pay it. This idea, I'm, I'm a little being a little esoteric now. The idea that companies pay anything, companies pay nothing. Consumers pay everything. That's like, how it there works. Is nothing, there's nothing a company pays for. Consumers pay everything. The company just turns what the consumer paid into, I got to buy marketing. I got to buy production. I got to buy HR, you know, the stuff, stuff like that. So I think consumers um, are, um, when I say easy to find, I think a lot of the privacy debates right now are... Um, are a little irrational and they're just they're just raising the cost of the products that everyone buys. So we can do a whole whole topic. I mean, that's a fascinating point of view that you make. And it's and it's when people talk about Web3, part of the I think the narrative is like everybody's going to own their own data, which is what the power powerful part of it to some folks. The powerful part I see is that creatives and people that are making content can have another way to monetize and kind of co-create with their fans. But data still is data. Like it's blockchain is a ledger. People can follow data. We can figure that part out too. Like it's, it's still like just because 
it's on a blockchain a, doesn't mean you can't see what's happening. You literally can. Yeah. In a world where you own your own data, I would sell all of mine. And then, <laughs> and then, and then just Not buy that you're biased. For less. <laughs> and then buy products for less. I'd be like, here's who I am. This is where I currently reside. This is what I'm currently interested. In. This is what I'm currently doing. Whoever gives me product, offers me pro good products at the cheapest price is who I'm going to buy for. And I'm making it easy to make that decision. That like like i i would own the data but then release it because like like how i, I don't know it's not a big secret that like i need to whatever I, that i want to you know buy clothes today like what how I, I, that's not yeah, something i, I, need to I tend today. to agree with you yeah because I, I believe people want their lives to be easier and enjoy right. the trade-off what i the only point i would make is that there just needs to be informed consent like it right. needs to be clear about right. what you're disclosing and I think as and I think most people will say yes because they want the trade off of the things you just said. <laughs> they want yeah. they want access to their product. They want to know. Uh, they want Spotify to know and understand their favorite song so they can listen to it. I've heard people right, say they exactly. love Spotify. Can read their mind, and they think of it. Some people as a little creepy, but if we're honest, people like not having to think about those things. They like they like that. I mean, it's it's the vast majority. There are some that don't. But they tend to be the outliers in right. the mass. Well, that, that, that's a really good point. My single biggest complaint about Spotify is how come I don't know when there's concerts for the artists? You know, I'm listening and you know, I'm listening to them. But somehow, how come I'm not getting alerted that that artist is touring? Well, I'm going to help you with that. That's exactly what Disrupt Art's about. We'll have an offline conversation about that. Right, this awesome. is That's the that. whole point of this. Like, I think I think they they have a model that I think works for mass consumption but then for the super fans and others that really want to know about a more intimate experience, then there's a, there's an audience for that. But I don't think I'm, I'm I don't think web three is replacing all of web two. I think right. people like the distribution model of getting to be able to listen to their favorite song and understand it. But I also think people want to know what you just said. Oh, here's one of my favorite artists. Can I do something to learn right. about alerts coming in and tying those two together? I think it's very, very powerful. Okay. A couple of uh, uh, quick rounds. I want to talk to you briefly after this. All right. The future of advertising and media is just one sentence completed. The future, <laughs> you caught me off guard with that. The future of advertising and media is definitely more immersive, definitely more um, in the near term, less one to one, but in the long term, I think it's definitely more one to one for the reasons we've been talking about. So yes. it's got to be very, very personalized. All right. One slogan that describes your business or who you are personally, what would that slogan be? Um, the hardest working software in advertising. All right. So, that's, so that's our tagline right now. But they also like just empowering the the the, the marketer the, to, to finally fully have access to television. And what's your personal slogan? Um, wow. <laughs> the... Um, ambition trust and ambition that that's the culture i've created in my company it's just all about trusting you know everyone that's a part of the team and but still combining that with a lot of ambition and that's my personal like kind of credo i, I guess you could say uh, mark douglas ceo of mountain it's a pleasure having you on disruption now definitely don't make yourself a stranger thanks